What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Life Hacking Podcast. My name is Eric Sorensen. I'm so happy that you're here today because I want to talk about a really powerful thing and experience that I learned several years ago. And it was something that I actually learned from a lot of pain and something that I've learned. It's a powerful life hack that I use even till today about really achieving a potential that you never even thought was there. And in fact, when you're ready to give up, you have so much more to give. Any, any, any runners out there or any Ironman competitors out there, you know, I loved running marathons, still love to this day running, uh, although I haven't run a marathon in a few years or an Ironman in about three years, but uh, it was just such a big part of my life for so many years. I ran about 10 marathons and about 10 Ironmans. Well, I'll never forget a particular day when I was about to run a marathon. I remember Friday like was the day of preparation, meaning the day before the race, Saturday was the race, and I was running it on a course that was traditionally a difficult course, but it was also a course where there was a lot of weather, a lot of heat, I should say. And so it was one of those things that you needed to stay hydrated because you know by the time you finish the 26.2 miles, coming across the finish, you might actually be 95 degrees. I mean, that's pretty hot when you're running on black pavement for sure. Well, the day before wasn't my best prep day. I had a lot of work going on and you know, there's a lot on my mind and it was just busy and I kind of got behind on my nutrition early on. I mean, it's not just race day that is critical for nutrition. I mean, leading up to race day, there's certain things you need to do to prepare your body for all the stress you're about to put it through and why in the world we put ourselves through so much stress, I have no idea. But it does give us a, like a sense, a crazy sense of accomplishment to accomplish something like that that really takes most people uh, a lifetime to try to accomplish something like that. Or most people don't even accomplish something like that because they think us crazy runners um, have no business running 26.2 miles. I get it, it's totally fine. You gotta pick your poison, right? Well, my poison was and still is running and endurance and fitness. I just love it. Well, I remember race day came and it was just, just so awesome to be at the, at the start line of a marathon. If you've ever been one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's just like everyone's excited until about mile, I don't know, 18 or so. And that's when everybody's quiet. Well, this particular day, again, it was a hot day. I was behind on my nutrition from the day before, so I knew that I needed to try to catch up. Well, didn't really think much of it, but I thought, hey, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna try to PR, which is a personal record, and try to get my personal best for the day. So I did. Gun goes off take off and here we are seven or eight thousand runners racing down the course and usually mile one two you're sort of like getting your legs underneath you're starting to warm up right and it's dark when you start i think it was about 6 45 6 50 gun time something like that and it's dark outside and then it starts to get lighter so 7 7 30 or so it starts to get lighter and remember this marathon is in october so it was in the fall uh, but still hot in southwestern utah where the marathon actually happened well, as I started to get about halfway through the marathon, I, I kind of knew that something was wrong. Something wasn't exactly quite right. And how did I know that? Well, because I could sort of feel that my nutrition wasn't where it needed to be. I, was, I could sort of feel like that sense of fatigue and really that sense of just being sort of dehydrated. And once you're dehydrated, especially on a race when you're not gonna stop, it is like almost impossible to get ahead of it. Once you're behind on something like that, it just, it just never really catches up no matter how much you try to drink or no matter how much ice you throw in your mouth or no matter how much water you pour over your head, it's tough. Well, it got even worse, mile 16, 17, 18, and I wasn't doing good. Now, usually by mile 18, I'm not 
doing bad at all. I'm usually doing okay. I mean, anybody who says that the last four or five miles of the marathon are easy, they're kidding themselves because I don't care how trained you are. They're tough for everyone. But mile 18 was way too early for me to start feeling what I was feeling at the time. Well, I just kept going and going and going, kept trying to hydrate, kept trying to really hold it all together. And I finally got to about mile 20, mile 21, where I knew I was about five miles away from, you know, getting uh, across that finish line. And I could start to hear the crowds that were in the city and it was awesome. And I felt these waves sort of coming over me. I could just feel these waves. And you know, this is about the time usually, even if you are hydrated, that your mind stops working. In fact, it's almost impossible to do math when you're on mile 21, 22, 23, 24 plus of a marathon. <laughs> Again, you runners out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's really challenging to do math. And I remember people would yell my name, for example, and about two minutes later it would register that somebody actually was cheering for me and I would turn behind him like, oh, thanks, you know, two minutes later. Well, things just weren't really happening. Now my body, was totally giving up. I could literally feel my body sort of just shut down, but I'm like, I'm gonna finish. I'm not, I mean, I am not going to not cross that finish line. And I kept going and going. And I got worse and worse and worse. And I could just feel it. And I just wasn't quite there. Mentally, I wasn't there, but I held it together. Well, there is a turn at the end of the marathon where you turn directly onto where the finisher shoot is. And it's a ways away. I don't know exactly how far it is. It might be a half mile, three quarters of a mile. Feels like forever, but it's not really that far. But when you turn that corner, you can actually see in the distance all the crowds lining up the streets. You can hear bands playing, people cheering, whatever. And you can see usually there's balloons that are going across the finish line. And they're usually red and orange and white. So you can see them from quite a distance. Well, in, in this case, I was running down that finisher shoot and I could see it from a far distance. I'm like, okay, if I can just hold it together, if I can just get there, I, then the, everything's going to be okay. Now remember, about mile 18, well before I even got here, or even earlier than that, my body was already shutting down. But I held it together, and I kept going, and I kept going, and finally I hit the finisher shoot, which is about the last 100 meters or so of the race. And back then, I don't think they do this now, but back then, this was probably about, uh, I don't know, eight or nine years ago when this race occurred, they used to have the National Guard lining up the finish line because there's a lot of people that collapse at the finish line. There's a lot of people that really don't, uh, that need, need help being carried over or at least assisted uh, at that point. And they wanna make sure that they mitigate any injuries uh, as possible. And I never really understood that because I'm like, why would somebody pass out? I've always finished strong. I've always had a good time. Well, here I was in that situation, completely dehydrated and really losing it. But I'm coming across, and as I'm almost to the finish line, I feel my body shutting down. I feel the waves. I wasn't quite all there, but I looked at the National Guard, right? That was the one, there was one that was right on the finish line. And I pointed at him and I went like this, and I signaled him to come and grab me because I knew what was about to happen. Oddly enough, there's a picture of me, and I don't remember all of this, but there's a picture of me with my foot on the finish line. I had finished the race, and the second, the very second that I mentally knew that I no longer needed to go another step, that I was there, my body completely shut down. Yeah, passed out. The next picture I saw was a picture of the National Guard dragging me off completely dead to the world and my head is down like this and they're dragging me off to the medical tent. Again, I don't remember any of that part, but I do remember crossing the finish line. 
Now the next thing I know, about 15 minutes or so later from when I can recall, all of a sudden I started, I woke up. I had no idea where I was. I couldn't hear, you know kind of those movies when, especially war movies when bombs go off and they make the, make basically the bomb goes off and they make the sound of the movie go completely silent for a few seconds and then it slowly comes back up again. Well, that was my experience. So all of a sudden I wake up and I couldn't hear anything and, and then little by little I started to hear sounds. And little by little I started to realize, okay, well I'm alive, I'm somewhere and I've got IVs in me and everything. And I look up and I see a familiar face and it's one of my good friends who had seen me pass out at the finish line and was right there you know, trying to find out if I was okay or not. And then I started to get better and better and better and I started really coming to. I'm obviously the fact that there were fluids getting in me really made a big difference. And within about five or 10 minutes, I was up walking around, talking to people, shaking people's hands and my body immediately came back to life and I was excused from the medical tent. I had a great rest of the day. Well, it was an incredible experience for me. First, I'd never passed out on a race before. Second, I'd really never pushed myself that hard to where I would pass out. But here's some interesting things that I learned. No matter how much that you prepare, and I've prepared for months for this race, there will always come things on race day when you need to be on your game, when you need to perform at your highest level, there will always be things that hit you unexpectedly. Now, I was prepared in the sense that I knew what to do, I knew to, to hydrate, but the elements around me were so powerful that they were doing everything that they possibly could to keep me from crossing that finish line. Now, most of you, especially if you're a high producer, if you're an achiever, the biggest challenge, the biggest outside force is actually inside of you. The biggest outside force you will ever face that will stop you from achieving your goals is yourself and you know exactly what I'm talking about. 92% of Americans that set New Year's resolutions break them by week three. Why? Because we have no integrity with our own selves. We tell ourselves what we intend to do, what we want to do, not what we will actually do. Don't get me wrong, I think every American that's ever set a New Year's resolution had every intention of doing it, that they should do this or should do that. Well, guess what? If I would have decided that I wanted to do a marathon, I wanted to run a race, that would be a very different thing for me. I would not have finished that race if I wanted to do a marathon. The only reason why I finished that race is because I became a marathon runner. And there is a big difference. Ask yourself that question. What is the difference between becoming and doing? You see, if you're trying to do something to get to a goal, unless if you try to become, you probably won't get there. Yeah, you can go through the motions, but when your body is shutting down, when your mind is shutting down, when everything is screaming like it was with me, stop, don't go another step, and frankly, it would have been so easy for me just to stop, walk the rest of the way, or go to a, a, a medical person and get some fluids and then maybe continue the race later. If possible, likely they would have pulled me from the race if I would have done that, which would have kept me from that. But if I didn't finish that race, that would have been a massive blow to my, really my goals that I had set for myself. But I was a runner and runners don't quit. Runners finish, runners go across the finish line. It was not about what I needed to do to finish a marathon. And it was about who I needed to become to finish a marathon. And when I should have given up about halfway or a little bit past halfway of that race, 
guess what? Most people probably would have quit feeling as bad as I was feeling that early on in the race. Now, fortunately, this wasn't my first race. This was probably my fourth or fifth marathon. However, uh, even early on, if I wasn't a runner, I probably would have quit and most people would have as well. There is a big difference. Life hack for today is when you have something that you want to accomplish, first off, why do you want to accomplish it? Why did I want to be a runner? Do you have a big enough why that will get you through when the heat is on and you're ready to collapse? When you don't want to pick up that microphone one other time, when you don't want to do that report, when you don't want to create content like you're supposed to, when you don't want to do the things that you must do in order to become and accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish. That is when most people quit. But if you become, then when you are running and you're 95% of the way and you know that last 5% is going to be just as hard as the first 95%, in other words, that wall that everybody hits when they're trying to accomplish something major in their life, be it running or be it business or be it family, be it relationships, well, that's when most quit. That's when you're just beginning because it took me so much, that last 5% of the race, just to get across that finish line. So much mental, not physical necessarily, I know it sounds physical, but it was my mind kept me conscious until I knew I had crossed the finish line and then my mind finally said, you made it, I no longer need to keep my body going, bam, and I passed out. Now, I don't recommend this to anyone else, but there were some powerful principles. If you've ever heard of David Goggins, David Goggins is a powerful, powerful endurance uh, freak of nature. The guy's amazing, like he loves pain, but he didn't early on. If you know his story, he was, uh, I don't even know, something like 100 pounds overweight and he saw some reality show on uh, becoming a Navy SEAL and he's like, I'm gonna become a Navy SEAL. Well, he actually did it. Went through buds three times, disqualified twice, made it on the third and became a Navy SEAL. He then went on to do other things and then went on to do ultra marathons. The guy is amazing, but he has this philosophy called the 40% philosophy and I love it. And he basically says, when you feel like you, can, you are giving up or you can't go any further, like your body's shutting down or, or when you're uh, at your end, you've only given about 40%. You still have 60% more that you can give. And I felt that way too. I was probably 50% through the race or 60%, not 40%, but I felt like I was 100% done at that point at mile 15, 16, 17, 18 but I wasn't. I still had a lot more to give. And I kept going in that next 20, 30, 40% and was able to finish that race. Now, if you think about that 40%, most of us, when we think we can't go any further, we think we're at 90, 95%, but you're actually not. You're at 40%, maybe 50% of what you can actually give. The capacity of the human mind and the human body to do incredible things is far greater than ever thought possible. Your capacity to do incredible things far greater than your own mind and your own body think that they can is far greater than you ever thought possible. You were only thinking 40% and you still have 60 plus percent to give, to achieve, to accomplish. There's so much more that you have. If you, I'm convinced, if you were able to see who you really are and the power of who is you and your unlimited capacity to accomplish the impossible in your lives, I think you would be blown away and humbled to your knees. I've seen it before with so many people accomplishing the impossible 
what seems like almost magic. Look around us. A lot of what is around me here in this little makeshift studio here in my office didn't exist. Some of it, well, none of it exists two or three years ago, but some of the technology didn't even exist 10 or 15 years ago, let alone 100 years. If somebody walked into my office and saw this happening, and the fact that I'm broadcasting this to the entire world, wow, it's a miracle. We have miracles around us every single day. You are a miracle, and you are a miracle that can accomplish more things than you ever thought possible. However, it is not easy. Now, we talk about life hacking as not necessarily an easy way to do it, but applying certain strategic principles that will get you there further and faster, that will create more of a straight line instead of a zigzag line to your success. It does not mean that it's not going to be hard. What it does mean is that you can do in days what it takes most people to do in months by following certain principles, right? Not shortcuts, not cheat codes. I know I say it all the time, but life hacking principles that allow you to use strategy that can help you get further and faster. And this is a great one here, the 40% rule. Now remember, you have so much more to give and you're not quite there yet. And in the time when you should do this the most, do what you know you must do to become the person you need to become to accomplish your goals and to accomplish the things you want in life. I mean, when it's hard is when you need to push even harder, is when you actually need to do it. Because most people don't feel like doing it. Most people don't feel like picking up a camera and doing a podcast. Most people don't feel like doing the next report or the thing that you need to do. I didn't feel like running that last eight miles at all, period. But I did. And I actually beat my personal record on that marathon. And then I went on to qualify Boston, I think the next year. It taught me powerful lessons. Now remember that 40% rule and look how you can apply that life hacking principle to your world. And I hope that's really helpful. And we will see you guys on the next Life Hacking Podcast. Thanks.